As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Well, I snore, and I snore loudly, and Kat sometimes has trouble sleeping, so she's been sleeping in the guest room for the past few nights, uh, much to her chagrin because she has learned that the guest room apparently is haunted. Oh, well, I don't think it's haunted. It's just that um, there have been some very strange goings on in there that I can't quite explain. You don't think it's haunted, yet you came back in and slept with me even though I was snoring. Mm, yes. Rather than sleep in the room that's not haunted. Correct. Okay. Well, I mean, I love you, so well, I don't mind sleeping with you. What? Uh, what? Ex- <laughs> tell everybody what you experienced, because this is crazy. Uh, okay. So uh, the the first night that I noticed something um, was a, a like a movement in the corner of the room when I was kind of half in, half out. I was getting a drink of water and I noticed some movement, um, which I did have the fan on. So there might have been something, you know, blowing around in the room. But then when I settled back into bed, um, I heard something walk across the carpet, which, you know, how that the carpet makes that sh- 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 sound. Right, right. Um, and it so- didn't sound like a human. No, no. It sounded kind of like a dog, actually, like a ch 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 But all of the dogs were accounted for. Yes. The boys were both in, in the bed with me. And um, so that was weird. And uh, I couldn't quite get back to sleep. So I ended up coming back into bed with you. Next morning, she goes, my back feels funny. And she pulled up her shirt and she had these scratches all over her back. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, I am a belly sleeper. Um, and Howard is kind of unruly at night. So yes, he may have yeah. stomped over me. I, I think night. absolutely that's what that was. I can see how he would, because uh, he does, he crawls over your back. I can see where he, and he just had his nails done, mm-hmm. easily caused those marks on right. your back. And then the next night, um, I felt something kind of like, like an oppressive feeling thing Mm -hmm. over me Mm -hmm. like kind of like when someone leans over you like real close and you can feel like the the vibe of the air changing i felt that and um 
Yeah, and that's that's all that took that night. So mm-hmm. I came back into bed with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting that Cat is the one who poo poos the paranormal. Yet she's the one that gets haunted. I, I'm not haunted. It's just there's something weird going on in this room. That's it. So we saged it. Yeah. <laughs> now it smells really nice. <laughs> <laughs> she had me smudge the apartment well, last night. So you vol- you I volunteered. Off- you wanted to smudge the apartment. Yeah. I didn't suggest it. Yeah. But you admit, though, that there was a change in atmosphere. Well, it smelled good. Okay. That's something. In researching the saging, though, there's some scientific principles behind it uh, in the sense that sage will kill up to like 92% of airborne bacteria. I didn't know that. I didn't either. So no. there's there's something to it. Did you read that on an actual science website or was it just like... I think it was like, it was a blog called My Angel Can Kick Your Angel's Ass. Oh, okay. Well, Some, that's, something that's like science. That. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got something for you. From a very early age, Rob Wilson knew he was different from... Anybody in his family or friends at school, Rob grew up in Longford, Tasmania in Australia. And even as a child, not only did uh, Rob know that he was different, but everybody around him did too. Uh, He had an unstable relationship with some of his immediate family as a child growing up. His brother once told him, quote, you're half like me and you're half like your sister. Because he appeared more feminine than the other boys. He was ostracized by fellow students at the school that he attended. Rude. He was often ridiculed by other children for his uh, his appearance. So consequently, Rob didn't have a lot of friends. He spent a lot of time alone by himself. And at the very early age of six, an uncle of his, to try to get him uh, interested in something, gave him a pair of partridge bantams, fancy chickens, essentially. He became obsessed with breeding chickens. Chickens were really his only companion, and his constant companion. I love chickens. When Rob was 23 years old, he decided to move to northeast Tasmania and take a job at the tin mine. And he took his beloved chickens with him. And while he slept in a bunkhouse, he found an old trailer that he converted into a double-decker chicken deck or chicken pen for his prized birds. Amazing. They actually slept better in better accommodations than he did. It wasn't long before his move that he felt that he was developing some medical issues. He started suffering from regular pain. He assumed that it was just kind of a stitch in his side that he got while working as part of the road crew at the mine. So he went and had some blood work done and everything seemed pretty normal, except his iron count was unusually high. But High? Yeah. Lucky. But yet... He still knew something was wrong. And this went on until his 50s. Oh, wow. When he got a call from his aunt, who was on her deathbed. And according to ABC Australia, he said, quote, she rang me up and said, you'd better come and see me. I've got some information that you need. The information she relayed to him explained a lot of things. Among the things he discovered was that he was born with a chromosomal condition that's known as 48XXY syndrome. Now, that's an extremely rare condition. In fact, it only affects about 50, 1 in 50,000 boys and men. Uh, this condition was causing Rob to essentially have a period. Oh, wow. And in all of the years that he had a period, his menstrual blood had been reabsorbed into his body. 
And that's what gave him his unusually high iron levels in his blood. So, okay, so he had a, you have to have a uterus, right, to have a period? Mm. No? Yeah, well, here's what else he learned. Okay. He, you see, Rob was born with both male and female genitalia. Okay. Now, his mother was very strict, religious person and struggled with this. And really never accepted him. Family members recall her saying to, to Rob, I don't know how you're my child, how God would give me a child like that. That's disgusting. In fact, she didn't even want to bring him home from the hospital. Wow, that's shitty. In an interview with ABC Australia, Rob said, quote, The doctors decided because I peed out of a penis that I should be made a boy. So they sewed my, vag- my vagina up, leaving me with six stitches. Now... He had some additional surgical procedures as a uh, as a baby and, and young, young child. And when he became eight years of age, they started giving him daily testosterone tablets. This left Rob with a lifetime of medical problems. For years, he's been suffering with the effects of conflicting hormones. Right. Plus, you can't just sew up a vagina and pretend like there aren't still lady parts in there. Yeah, exactly. So for the past 14 years since he discovered this, he's been traveling to Ukraine for drug treatment that's banned in Australia. Essentially, they're giving him a combination of a contraceptive pill, a human growth hormone, and uh, a testosterone suppressant. See, the doctors in Ukraine have uh, established something that no one in Australia had. They established that Rob was really more female than male. And yet, regardless of all that he's been through, all the taunting, being ostracized and shunned, they're determined to share their medical story with universities around the world. Oh, that's amazing. But think about how much easier their life would have been if Rob had known from an earlier age Mm, what was going on. You just can't keep it. Rob's mom sucks. (laughs) His dad was pretty cool, though. I'll tell you about that in a second. So Rob is telling his story, even though it's an uncomfortable one for him. Uh, In that ABC Australia interview, he said he's doing it because, quote, I hope the next poor bugger like me gets a better run than I did. And unless the likes of me get it out there, it's going to keep happening. Way to go, Rob. So he's a resilient guy. And this type of resilience he credits to his father. His dad was an ex-prisoner of war in Germany. And from a very early age... He instilled in young Rob to get on with his life. Rob said, quote, Dad used to say, you can do anything anyone else can do, boy, if you just set your mind to it. And that perseverance um, has really, it's done him well, and it's paid off. Over the years, because of his perseverance and dedication, he's regarded as one of the best chicken breeders in the world. In fact, he's ranked number seven the seventh best breeder on the planet. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't even know that that was ranked. Yeah, apparently it is. Rob kicks ass. I have a question. Yeah. Is is Rob, does Rob identify as a male? Is that, or is it kind of just like whatever? At the time the story was uh, filed, he, he seemed to be um, still identifying as male. Okay. Now, being the seventh best chicken breeder in the world, he says he has, quote, more ribbons than you can poke a stick at. (laughs) His successful chicken breeding business 
has taken him all over the world. If there's a major chicken competition, Rob's there, exhibiting his extremely unique and colorful birds. In fact, one of Rob's most prized colored birds, colored breeds, took him 40 years to develop. Wow. He has created 36 recognized colors. And when he started in his native Australia, there were only five. Wow. Rob. His chickens aren't cheap. They can cost thousands of dollars for a breeding pair. But people travel from all over the world to get his chickens. And he doesn't live on the main highway. (laughs) They still come. He's way out there in Tasmania. Okay, so he's still living in Australia. Yes. Okay. To this day, Rob continues to be fascinated with his chickens, just as he was when he was uh, six years old. It's interesting that uh, he said he was fascinated by chicken breeding because of the genetic makeup of uh, the different types of chickens. And he wasn't aware of his his genetic genetic anomalies at the time. He finds that ironic. Regardless, he's telling a story to anybody that will listen because he doesn't want that to happen to another person. But the treatment that he's on seems to be having some positive results for him. So, Well, that's great. I think just like any one of those 46 new breeds, Rob is... A beautiful new color. And, oh, uh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Rob Wilson, seventh best chicken breeder in the world, as well as a world-class example of how to be a good human being. Love it. Story suggestion came from Stell, who wrote, Hello, Kat and Jethro. I thought you might appreciate this story from Australia. Love your work flying my freak flag. Stell, that was glorious. Delightful. I got the bulk of my information from, well, Stell, but uh, also abc.net.au news, ABC Australia. I do a lot of my shopping from an Australian clothing company. Yeah, what's up with that? And you think it's funny. It's just so incredibly specific. I'm making a purchase from an online Australian dress shop. It's so specific. It's like like saying, well, I I just visited a Belgian gun show. (laughs) The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. 
You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now, that thing in the middle. When talking about pirates, it's easy to conjure up the image of a swashbuckling man swinging from ropes, dueling with a sword, and yo-ho-hoing while drinking rum on a dead man's chest. But what a lot of people don't realize is that a high percentage of pirates in those days were women. They would keep their sexual identity secret for the most part. If they were in a duel with another male pirate and bested them, at the moment their opponent lay dying, the pirate women would expose their breasts to show their enemies that they had been vanquished by a woman. Emily sent us an email. Hey, stranger friends. I've just been listening to an episode in which Jethro recounts the story of his mortician buddy from Jacksonville who went to a house party with two bodies in tow. Mm -hmm. You you don't believe that story. I don't. Yeah, the story goes that uh, he went to pick up a body and uh, started heading back to the funeral home. And then he got a call to pick up another body, which was in an area that had a party going on that he wanted to go to. Didn't have room for the body, the second body, so he put him in the front seat. Mm-hmm. And then after, went to the party. And afterwards, rigor mortis had set in. He couldn't get the body out. So he put a cigarette in his mouth, kind of like a you know weekend at Bernie's kind of thing, going through the toll booth. Sure. At least he could drive in the carpool lane. I know Kat doesn't believe this story, but one of my best friends is a mortician. After years of movie nights at the crematory, which uh, has very comfy sofas, grabbing jello shots out of a casket full of ice, and even making side trips during weekend vacations to deliver mortal remains to family members, I can assure Kat that this is exactly the kind of shit fun morticians do. Can't share where I'm from in this message because I don't want my friend identified, but uh, you've done live shows in my area before, and I'm hoping to make it to the next one. Cheers, Emily. Thanks, Emily. Wonderful. (laughs) See, that's why I want to be cremated. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? 
Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. There once was a podcast from Nantucket. Okay, can't finish that one. This is The Box of Oddities. You have story for me? I do. Jessica on Instagram sent me a message. Uh, it was, this was a bit ago, actually, but um, I'm just getting around to it. I'm very slow. Uh, Hi, Kat and JG, Jessica writes. I've been in the veterinary field for 20 years, and I have a passion for exotic animals. I was scrolling Instagram today, and someone had posted a picture of the weirdest paw beans I had ever seen. (laughs) And so I'm going to talk about this creature that she suggested we talk about, the hyrax. It sounds like a creature that was invented by Dr. Seuss. It does. The hyrax is a small terrestrial animal that you can find in Africa and the Middle East. And there are three species or three main species of hyrax, the rock, the bush, and the tree hyrax. And mostly we'll be talking about the rock hyrax, also called cape hyraxes or hyrax rodents or... Any number of things, but they're called, they're rock hyraxes. So what's this little guy look like? Well, if you were to get a tattoo Mm -hmm. of a rock hyrax and people saw it, they might think it was a very poorly done guinea pig or marmot. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It would just look like something went wrong. Uh, Like maybe it was the artist's first attempt at some sort of mammal. Maybe... A kindergartner with an ink gun? Maybe. Yeah. Um, They have a short snout, cleft upper lip, short ears, and very short, sturdy legs. They look like a chonky rodent. But the hyrax is not a rodent. Instead, a member of the African order Hyracordia. They're most closely related to elephants and manatees. What? It's hard for me to get my mind around the fact that elephants and manatees are closely related, (laughs) which I know they are, but that's mind-blowing. Yeah, he looks like a prairie dog or a marmot or something like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. Closest relative, the elephant 
and manatees. But like elephants and manatees, the male hyrax lacks a scrotum and their testicles remain nestled in their abdominal cavity. Hmm. Also like elephants, they have tusks. The rock hyrax has a pair of long pointed tusk-like incisors. Uh, they just have, like, you know how guinea pigs' teeth mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. continue to grow? Right. Unless they're worn down, they'll they'll grow dangerously long. Uh, very similar to the hyrax, except theirs come out like this, and they have lips, and they've got a little tusks like that. Do they use them to nibble your bum? No, mostly uh, vegetarian. Oh. Technically omnivores, but uh, mostly they nom on plants. They and sound ferocious, though. <laughs> Now, during the Eocene era, hyraxes of all sizes existed. They filled the plains of Africa all the way from a tiny mouse size hyrax (laughs) to one the size of a small horse. Holy shit. Yes. But now they're just tootling around a little bit bigger than a cat. Their feet have rubbery pads with numerous sweat glands, and the sweat glands, they think, help the animal maintain a grip while tootling around on rocky surfaces. Um, They do inhabit all kinds of terrains um, across, as I said, Africa and the Middle East, Um, but they have these stumpy toes, which have like hoof-like nails, and there's four toes on each front foot and three on the back feet. Mm But there's like this hollow in the middle of the sole, which is formed by a muscle arrangement. And that kind of acts like a suction cup. Oh, cool. So when they're walking on these rocks and the steep cliffs, they can go. Can they walk up the side of like a skyscraper? No, I don't think so. That'd be really, really cool. Yeah. No, I mean, they're not like Spider-Man. But I do want to thank you for locking the balcony door last night. (laughs) I appreciate you. She makes me lock the balcony door. We're 12 floors up. (laughs) So I lock it and say, not tonight, Spider-Man. Anyway, hyraxes are pretty adaptable as far as climate goes, but they do need the sun in order to keep warm. They have very poorly developed thermoregulation, and that can lead to uh, heaping, which is when uh, a bunch of animals all pile on top of each other to stay warm. That sounds fun. I think it's adorable. Another thing about the hyrax that I love and that I I really identify with is they spend about 95% of their time resting. Mm. Uh, they stay in their burrows until the sun is high, and then they might not leave their dens at all on cold, rainy days. <laughs> They've got to have that sun. And I feel very yeah. much the same. They're describing our existence. Yeah. It really it's, is. Like I said to you the other day, at that meme that I identify with so much is seasonal depression seems fake until the sun comes out and you feel like you've taken a party drug. <laughs> and that is me to mm. a T. Yeah. One of the main reasons we moved to Florida. So as I said, they mostly are veggie friends, but they do from time to time eat an insect or a lizard, sometimes bird eggs. But unlike many other browsing, grazing type animals, they don't use their incisor at the front uh, for slicing off leaves and grass. Instead, they they jam them into the back of their mouth and, and on the sides and gnaw that way. Their motions, the motion of their mandible is similar to like a cow chewing cud, Mm. which, you know, ruminants do. Uh, They acquire their nutrients from plant-based foods by fermenting it in a special tum prior to digestion. And that typically requires that the fermented business inside their tummy comes back up. 
they chew it again and then they swallow it again. Okay. So that's how All ruminants right. do their thing. But hyrax don't have the ability to throw up. They just have the multiple stomachs, the multi-chambered stomachs that allow symbiotic bacteria to break down the tough plant materials. So like a cow, they've got the multiple tummies, but they can't throw up to do that that cud-type chewing thing. Also, side note, it occurred to me that the word ruminate comes from the Latin ruminare, which means to chew over again. And uh-huh. that's why we ruminate on things. Right. We, we roll it around in our noggin and we kind of chew it over. Or reminisce. Or, or to reminisce. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as I said, mm, hyraxes are not rodents. They're not ruminants. They have their own kind of vibe. And they live in colonies. As I said, they love to heap. So uh, the colonies can range from five to 60 individuals. And interestingly, they can contain more than one species. So if bush and rock hyraxes are, are in the same region, they'll live in close contact. They'll, they'll hang out in the same den. Um, and they'll heap together. But they will never mate with one another. Will they heap with a manatee? Maybe given the chance. Mm. Uh, I imagine that they have a hard time interacting with manatees. Yeah, because of them being underwater and stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe they could heap with elephants. Maybe they could. I feel like that would put the hyrax in danger. Unless the elephant pile was on the bottom. Yeah. And then the, um, what are they called? Hyrax. Yeah. Hyrax piled on top. Mm Mm-hmm. Could do that. I mean, I'm glad that you're, you're that listening would... to the story okay. so much that you don't know what his name is, but you've come up with heaping possibilities with elephants and manatees. Well, yeah, but I'm envisioning them, even though I, d- I didn't remember their name, I envision them as ferocious, carnivorous, guinea pig-like creatures mm-hmm. with fangs. Again, you're really going in a Dr. Seuss direction, aren't you? You're picturing like illustrated elephants with rodents on top exactly yeah okay horton hears a who horton hears a hyrax it writes itself one of the other incredible things about the hyrax is they have very complicated syntax skills so the sound that generally you'll hear coming from a hyrax is more maybe like a bird than a mammal Hmm. They sing in arranged sounds known as the syntax, and it's similar to how birds or whales communicate. That's crazy. Yeah. I love this. I actually have a sound uh, that I put together for you. It's a sound clip of several different hyrax making several different sounds. Here. Those sound like birds. Well, there are birds in the background. See, that sounds like he severed somebody's artery. And they're bleeding out. My God, they're adorable. <laughs> they're so cute. They're so cute. Yeah, isn't he they're adorable? They're so cute. It's hard to believe that they'll kill you. They won't. They're very nice. I don't know. Why do you keep wanting to make them violent? Well, they got those big teeth. So the Hyrax, uh, they they sing songs. And the songs that they they sing will always have the same sounds in the same order because it means something. They're sharing something with their other Hyrax friends. And so that's how it's like speech. Rock hyraxes have at least 21 different vocalizations, including trills, yips, grunts, wails, snorts, twitters, shrieks, growls, and whistles. 
Males will also sing complex songs that can last for several minutes and serve as a territorial warning. Like, hey, now, this is a song, but it's not a nice welcoming type song. It's like a get the fuck out song. And hyraxes from different regions show differences in dialect. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. How can a person tell? Well, they study hyraxes. That hyrax has a, well, it appears to be a Jersey accent. (laughs) This one clearly has a Southern drawl. The hyrax also has some really interesting bathroom habits. (laughs) (laughs) It's not heaping, is it? No, it's not. Well, it kind of is. They, um... They've got very specific places where they'll use the restroom. Really? Um, They have toilet areas, and you don't do your business in a non-toilet area. Good for them. They are usually under rocky ledges, and that's where they'll deposit their urine and feces. Generations of hyrax will use the same spot. So for thousands of years, you'll see... (laughs) <laughs> just <laughs> piles of like the the same they For they thousands do not, and th- okay they do not move their toilet area it offers some really fascinating insights into the lives of hyraxes over time and their diet and also it changes the landscape because the calcium in their urine changes the color of the rocks and the you know so like from far off you can be all like oh that's a that's a hyrax shitter right there <laughs> <laughs> And hyraxes were mentioned in the Bible. In Proverbs, the rock hyrax is included as uh, one of a number of animals that is small yet exceedingly wise. Interesting. But keep in mind, they are not kosher. Okay, well, that's important. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't it be cool if you could trace back the generational history of the of the hyrax till you get to the point where you've come upon the first hyrax to decide to shit in this one place mm-hmm. and all the other hyraxes are like what is your deal no this, no you do it here and here. nowhere else and i wonder if you got any blowback from the other hyrax they're like why are you shitting in my yard and he's like no this is where we're gonna all shit i'm shitting yours we're all shitting here <laughs> Let's count the ways that hyrax are amazing. Um, there are too many, and so we don't have time. Okay. Well, we've covered some pretty good ones there. I got most of my information from Smithsonian, from Wired, African Freak, of course, Wikipedia, and uh, YouTube. The YouTubes. The YouTubes. Well, I, that was pretty interesting. I, I didn't realize that uh, bloodthirsty creatures came in that size. They're not bloodthirsty. Mm. We've gone over this. <laughs> they are sweet. Listen, you two, can, oh. I, can I barge in for just a second? Oh, what the God. heck? It's the curator. The curator's here. Yes, I am. Hi, curator. Hello, curator. How are you? We're, How are you both? We're fine. How are you? Very well, thank you. <laughs> Good. You know, after 411 episodes, I thought it might be... Well, time to take a little bit more time. You feel Just like you've earned you? it. You've earned it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But with one caveat. And what would that be? Which is that for a, some small period of time, I don't have to talk like this anymore. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah. I could just I could just talk like, you know, talk like this. Yeah, yeah your regular voice. Do you uh, think you'll be able yeah. to maintain your regular voice or are you going to slide back into the curator, which sounded way more dirty than I meant it yeah. to? Haven't we all slid into the curator from time to time? <laughs> 
It's like polling the audience. <laughs> I'm the voice of the curator, my dear friend, Lindsay Schnebley. And uh, Lindsay is a, well, he's had a storied career as a voiceover talent. Uh, he's done stuff for NBC News. He was the voice of Animal Planet. And uh, somehow we conned him into being the voice of the Box of Oddities. I still have yet to see that contract, by the way. I know that my wife signed it. Your wife did. She, <laughs> did she? She did all the paperwork and she said, sit down here at one o'clock mm -hmm. and uh, JG and Kat are going to call you and just <laughs> shut up and do what I say. Okay. Wow. Well done, Nan. That's a, that's a wonderful we, relationship you have. And here we are. That's <laughs> why, we why we've been married so long, because I just do whatever <laughs> she says to do. Well, Lindsay and I have known each other since we were youngsters. We talked about this on a previous episode that uh, Lindsay and I are going to be doing a new podcast. It's the first Box of Oddities Presents, and Kat is actually producing this. It's called The Shallow End. Yes, it's called The Shallow End. I lost my place in the script. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, we're off to a fine start. Yeah. It'll be the, the podcast filled with long, awkward pauses where I st stare at JG like, uh, am I supposed to go next? Well, actually, Long Awkward Pause was going to be the original name of the podcast, but somebody <laughs> had taken it. Along with the domain name. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> the Shallow End. We'll be talking about uh, stories of uh, people doing really stupid things. In other words, people who uh, met either a, a painful demise or... Unfortunate circumstances. Yes, but they had it coming... To them. They had it coming. The interesting thing is that in building these stories so far, every one of these people honestly thought, this is a great idea. <laughs> There's no way this could fail. That yeah. feels very familiar to what I'm experiencing right now is like, <laughs> oh, this seemed like a good idea. It's kind of a kind of a wily e. coyote thing. <laughs> this box is going to work. I never made any promises. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the show's going to debut sometime in the next few weeks and we'll keep you updated on that. But uh, look for The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toth. Uh, a Catwall's Box of Oddities production coming soon. Don't put it all on yeah, me. It's, it's all your fault. Come on. Yeah. And with your kind permission, I'll slip back into the booth with <laughs> obscurity. Okay. Thanks, you two. Good chatting as always. Yes. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on, on the uh, progress of the shallow end, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. What they said, and so... Let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.
My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.